Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. The Borg are an amalgam of cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species. Organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose. To add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy. The definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the mirror universe. The mirror universe has never been so treacherous. Hello and welcome to The Ready Room, the Treks and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Kenny, and I play Nathan Quinn, the captain of the USS Arabella. And this is Jen. I play the Vulcan First Officer Commander Savril. Today's episode will feature readings by various forum members, and we'll discuss in-depth the story so far afterwards. And lastly, we'll discuss our final thoughts. We are the Borg. Life as you know it is over. You have entered our RPG space. You will adapt to the story so far. To start off today's reading, we have a post done by Shepard, and it will be read by Billy Bob. They ran down the hallway towards their quarters. We have to secure the ship. It's our first priority, Reese said as they approached the door. They quickly entered. They both went to grab their phasers. Reese grabbed it and attached it to its side. He thought about the Borg and what they were. He felt his neck, where the two holes were already beginning to seal themselves. He hoped he wasn't infected. He wondered how long it would take for a few Borg nanos to overtake his body. Maybe we should stop by the sick bay. We have to secure the ship first. We're not mortally damaged, Reese. After the ship is secured, then we worry about our own wounds. Fiswell grabbed the knife out of one of his drawers. Reese noticed it shine as it entered the light. A, a knife? Reese looked at the little silver blade. What's that for? It's backup for when my phaser becomes useless. Fiswell strapped the knife to his side. Useless? Reese didn't mu- know much about the Borg, only that they were a collective of biometric drones. Why would my phaser become useless? The Borg will adapt our phaser fire. If you got a knife, you better grab it. I got one better. Reese reached down to the little space between the bed and his small box of things. He pulled out a long sheath that housed his sword. Will this work? Fiswell eyed it with a slightly startled feel. You've had a sword in here the whole time? No, I brought it from home on my return. Oh. Fiswell thought about the usefulness of a sword fighting against the Borg. Yeah, that will work great. Reese slung a sword onto his back. We ready to do this? Yeah. Fiswell gave Reese a very eager smile. Let's go on a rampage. The next post was written by Wraith1701 and will also be read by Billy Bob. Manning the bridge's tactical station, Lieutenant Otak paused to wipe the sweat from his brow. The commander's decision to take the ship into the asteroid field seemed to be buying the ship some time. So far, the Borg hadn't shortened the distance separating them from their fleeing prey. Otak took a hitching breath and slowly exhaled. 
trying vainly to dispel some of the stress and anxiety that he was feeling. His thoughts drifted back to his old engineering accident and the prosthetic arm it had left him with. After being irreparably damaged by a reactor coolant leak, the limb had been replaced by a state-of-the-art duplicate. Although constructed of various alloys and ceramic composites, the arm was sheathed in a sleeve of synthetic skin that gave it a lifelike appearance. The arm was so real-looking that, at times, Otak could almost forget that this vital part of his anatomy was mechanical. Almost. Unfortunately, with the shipping attacked by half-machine, half-organic invaders, the reality of his situation was foremost on his mind. It's ironic, he thought to himself. Here I am, afraid of being turned into a machine, and I'm already halfway there anyway. Otak glanced down at his fist as it gripped the side of the Elkar's display. The macrae housing of the display was marred by a thin spiderweb pattern of cracks radiating out from beneath his hand. At some point during the battle, he had apparently lost control of his strength governors, accidentally crushing the plastic casing. Otak forced his fingers to release their grip, and slowly lowered his hand to his side. He marshaled his strength and stomped down on the hysterical giggle struggling to make his way past his lips. The commander and the crew are depending on me, he thought. I've got to keep it together. Next up, a post from Hawkeye Meds, also read by Hawkeye Meds. The colonel ran into his security office and began scanning the monitor. Bleeping in the left-hand corner was a message. He quickly clicked onto it and read the message, some of it out loud. Dennis, um, ah, Lord, no, not Viola. Friendly fire, talon bars, ah, damn it. Joseph punched the monitor screen with his fist as he thought of the doctor, who had been reassuring him only a few hours earlier. And what of Catan? He shook his head. He must concentrate on the security of the ship. Tapping his communication, he announced his orders. This is the Callan to all security. Engineering and sick bay is clear for ship action. Kelly and Morgan, stay on the bridge. Cover both turbo lift doors. Under no circumstances, leave those posts unless instructed by myself or the acting captain. Ray, take a post on deck three. Cover the emergency ladder to the bridge. We don't want anyone using that. Coleman and Wood, I am sealing all corridors with the internal force fields on deck ten. Man the field and keep watch. Hayes, Murdoch, Rutherford and Powell, turn the mess hall into the emergency intensive care. You've done the training, now do the practical. All other security, keep up the good work. I'll be with you shortly. Joseph ran to the armory and took out several phasers and rifles and adjusted some of them settings advised by Catan's tactical team. Nodding to the two security staff on watch, he ran out. A twinge gave in his stomach and he looked down to see a small patch of blood. The calendar Commander Sorrell. Security management, Echo 2 and Echo 5 has been put into place. Turbo lifts and security ladders to the bridge have now been locked down until you override. The Carlin out. The Carlin ran out and headed to the turbo lift. The following post was written by Jen and Meds, and it's read by Jen. DeCollin ran around the corner and aimed his rifle at an oncoming Borg. Adjusting the setting, he fired. The blast shot straight through the drone's head. A beam came from behind and sparked against the bulkhead in front of him. Falling to the deck, he rolled over to see another Borg towering over him. The rifle was out of reach, so DeCollin clenched his fists, ready to fight. The right arm of the Borg moved towards him, but before he could lay a pincher on him, a sudden power surge fried the attacker. Rolling out of the way of the falling body, DeCollin noticed a flashing panel on the wall, where the surge originated. Slowly getting up, he studied the display. In a bold typeface were the words, You're welcome, pulsing on the screen. Thanks, he replied. The words were replaced by a new sentence. Consider the sizzling drone a virtual handshake. I'm Dennis. Right. Okay. Dennis. You sent me a report regarding the death of Royla Dredd, didn't you? 
The words flashed again. Go to a monitor around the corner. The panel darkened as the words disappeared from the screen. DeCollin glanced about the empty corridor, then jogged to the engineering monitor. Dennis waited for him to arrive before spelling out his next line of communication. I have accessed the ship's systems and am monitoring Borg movements. That's all very well and good, but all I know is your name is Dennis. Who the hell are you? If Dennis had a face, he would have flexed his jaw. I'm a sentinel hologram programmed to protect Savril's children. My hollow emitter was damaged by a skirmish in the lounge. I had to enter the mainframe to survive. DeCollin raised an eyebrow. You're the commander's nanny. Okay, Jeeves, what's... Before Lieutenant DeCollin could finish the sentence, bold red letters streamed onto the screen. No. I'm a sentinel. Can't you people get that through your heads? Right. Sorry, mate. You were in the lounge with Royla and the children, weren't you? The question was too hard to answer. Dennis ignored it and, with a thought, entered another line of communication. The Arabella is not lost, but each of her decks now has Borg swarming it. DeCollin looked about quickly before continuing his conversation with the monitor. Engineering and sickbay have been secured. I've locked down all access to the bridge and I've activated internal force fields in several sections. I know. I'm in the computer, remember? replied Dennis sarcastically. Most of these drones are your crewmates, and if it were me, I'd just kill them all. Dennis stopped himself. Naval had been taken by the Borg. He couldn't kill the boy, and if he couldn't end the toddler's life, the crew would have trouble killing any drone they recognized as a fellow crewmate. We can't dispatch them all. We'll have to power them down so they can each be reclaimed. It will take a while, but I'm sure the doctors have some way of removing the implants. The words disappeared from the screen for a moment as Dennis considered a plan of attack. An instant later, the monitor began to rapidly scroll new information. The Borg are creating clusters of alcoves on each deck, with Borg computer consoles at the end. They need 30 megawatts of energy to run. Since engineering is secured, maybe I could work with that department to divert the power and starve the Borg of the energy they need to keep going. It won't be an instant solution, but if it works, you'll have your ship and crew back. Of course, you'll need to collect the Borg in one area so the docks can do their thing. Dukan looked around and bit his lip, then turned back to the monitor. He stared at the words a moment before speaking. If you can do what you say you can, then we best get busy. I'll introduce you to Karath and Took. The lieutenant pivoted on his feet and ran back the way he had just come. When he reached a cross-section, he turned back to the paneling on the wall. You still with me, mate? The panel flashed, yes. Do us a favor. Warn me of anything that may be around the corner, and we'll do a little skip-along. The security officer darted through the corridors and dove into the Jeffreys tubes to stay away from the drones. Dennis monitored his movements the entire way from the computer. After some time, DeCollin dropped from the service hatch and landed in the middle of sickbay, catching his own security staff off guard. Gonna have to do some more training with you, aren't I? Joseph saw Lieutenant Took sitting up and holding his arm on the other side of the room. The chief of security pushed past the baffled security personnel and approached the injured engineering officer. Lieutenant DeCollin pointed at the wall where the words, I'd say good day, but it ain't, so I won't, appeared on the screen. Took glanced at Joseph with a puzzled expression, then turned back to the panel as another sentence scrolled onto the screen. I understand you have an infestation. Joseph DeCollin wasted no time on filling the young lieutenant in on who Dennis was and what their plan happened to be. A grin grew over the engineer's face as Lieutenant DeCollin slapped the young man's back. An instant later, the two men hurried out of sickbay and headed towards engineering. And now we have a post by Star Trek Fanatic 5. 
also read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Nathan sat there naked on the cold, hard metal table, waiting for this bodiless voice to show himself. The situation was dire, as he had no way of escape, and even if he could, he had no idea where he was. Minutes passed, though it felt like hours, before he heard several footsteps coming from behind. As he turned, two Borg drones stopped and stood in front of him. Nathan sat there in awe as these two Borg drones began to configure themselves in a way that as they stepped closer together, their two bodies started to merge into one. It was as though these two Borg drones were puzzle pieces, and before Quinn knew it, the two Borg drones had become one large, headless Borg body. From the void above, Quinn heard the voice again. I do not take physical form very often. You should feel very honored by this, the voice said as the head and neck were lowered onto the large Borg body. As the neck reached the body, Quinn could hear the loud snaps as the cords holding the head released. The large Borg rolled its head around on his shoulders and moved his arms as if testing this new body. He turned to Quinn, who had a look of shock on his face. Though the man's face was half covered in cybernetics, Nathan still recognized him as someone he knew very well. Captain Picard? Quinn said in a whisper of shock. The Borg shook his head. No, I am Locutus, King of the Borg. The next post was written by Iceman and is read by Metron07. Dr. Peterson held the damaged heart in his hands. He could feel the rhythmic pulse of its labored beats. He had used a laser scalpel with the precision of a true artist to repair the young engineer's ruptured aorta, which was caused by exploding electrical conduits from a Borg pulse weapon. Casey placed the heart back in the chest cavity and watched as blood started to flow through the repaired aorta. It looked as if the structures would hold. The doctor worked quickly to repair the rest of the injuries the young engineer had sustained. A few broken bones and plasma burns were taken care of quickly by the dermal regenerator. Dr. Peterson issued a few orders to his assisting nurse before heading over to the next surgery. He was tired, but kept going. He was proud of his staff. Many of them were saddened by the death of Ryla, as was he, as she saved his life when he had contracted a deadly virus made by Dr. Lucas. The loss of Ryla was one that would be hard to replace, and he sure wished that she was with him now, as the casualties kept coming and there seemed that there would be little relief in sight. Peterson had all shifts working and sickbay still had a hard time keeping up with the onslaught of casualties that were now coming in from all decks. He knew when this was over, he would have the arduous duty of performing Ryla's autopsy and felt sorry for the poor security officer who would have to answer for her accidental death. Casey sighed as he thought of how he would inform her next of kin of her bravery and death in the line of duty. This was certainly the one part of the job that he disliked greatly. He was glad that for the moment he had other things to occupy his time but knew that this was only delaying the unfortunate duty that he would have to eventually perform. Here's a post by Just X, read by Jen. Arya James ended the cybernetic communications with her father and headed down the corridor. With a pulse phaser in one hand and a tricorder in the other, she paused at an intersection. To the left of her lay three crew members in the process of assimilation. Once vibrant flesh, 
had taken on the sickly gray hue of advanced infection. Arya kneeled near the closest of the fallen and released her nanotubule. On contact with the temple of the young Bajoran woman, her systems injected several micrograms of counter-assimilation nanobots. While the Borg infestation had a significant advantage in number, Arya's nanites were designed to combat and convert any Borg nanoprobes entering a host's brain. The idea was keeping the mind free of infection would make it easier to cure the body. Seven crew members had already received injections on her path to the lounge. The three before her would make that ten. If her numbers were accurate, that was almost 10% of the crew that she had encountered. She couldn't begin to guess what the actual numbers were. She only knew that it needed to end soon. The loss of any further life would limit the ability to operate the ship. Arya to Eric, she said as she tapped her communicator. From initial observation, I believe that we are losing too many people to the Borg. If we don't get this under control soon, we're going to lose this ship. What do you recommend? asked her father over the open communication channel. If we reprogram the nanite stores on the Aurora to combat Borg nanoprobes and then release it through the venting systems, we might be able to delay further infection, Arya said as she mentally calculated the available information. We need someone to get to the Aurora to do the reprogramming, and then we need to transport the nanites to the main vent junction, Eric said between phaser fire. Understood, she said. I'll try to meet up with them in the shuttle bay. I haven't made much progress, but I'm about to enter the lounge. Confirmed, Eric said. I'll see who's available to help. The next post was written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Hawkeye Meds. Nurse Susan Kane, leader of the Ensign, barred off. Her hand stayed as steady as a rock, and she quickly glanced up at Dr. Peterson, who in turn caught her eye, and a gentle nod from the doctor gave her the confidence boost she desperately needed. She'd lost count on how many crewmen had been seen, but so far they had only lost two security officer Patrick and her companion. Dread. The sick bay was full, and the makeshift emergency room in a mess hall set up by security was beginning to accept patients. Out of the corner of her eye, movement from the white-covered shroud of Ensign Patrick began to move. Here's another post by Hawkeye Meds, and again it's going to be read by Hawkeye Meds. Susan spun round to see the white shrouded body of Ensign Patrick sitting up in bed. Blood began to seep through the cloth, and back in back, shock suddenly came over her. Her scream echoed round sick bay, causing everyone to look at her. Her eyes squeezed shut, and she began to punch out, and the hands that came round her. Susan, Susan, it's me, Maella. Susan slowly opened her eyes and gazed into the face of Dr. Maella Peterson. She looked over her shoulder and saw that the once upright bleeding body of Ensign Patrick was lying back down, clean, and very much still. I... I saw something, Doctor. Patrick was... was sitting up. Dr. Peterson looked over his shoulder and back at Nurse Susan Kane. You know he is dead, Susan. Look, you're tired. Go and take five. Susan smiled at the doctor. I'm fine. Phew. <laughs> Whoosh. It's been a long slog. I'll, I'll be fine, Mayla, really. I, I'd prefer to keep busy. Mayla held her shoulders. We have work to do, Susan, but I need you on a hundred percent. If you begin to falter, go rest. Understand? Susan nodded and turned back to the patient she was working on. Putting all her medical training into gear, she tried to ignore the decaying skull of a goat that hovered above her patient's head. Now here's a joint post by Jen and Just X, read by Jen. Commander James smiled to himself as he and his team managed to complete securing Deck 6 from Borg invaders. 
It was one of the few pleasures that he allowed himself given the state of the ship and his family. Arya had just contacted him. Rory and Beth were safely aboard the Aurora, in the as-of-yet-uncompromised Shuttle Bay 3. Several of the Borg invaders had been severely damaged by the lower settings of the Pulse phasers, but Disabled was a long way from being destroyed. The battle they waged was also far from being won. Sir! Ensign Jackson, one of the young human security officers that had accompanied the XO from the bridge, said as he turned to Eric, If you're ready to head back to the bridge, we can handle things from here. Eric nodded and holstered his pulse phaser. Thank you, Ensign. Contact Lieutenant Dunn and get your new orders. I'll be on the bridge. Arranging a site-to-site transport via Rory and the Aurora, Eric materialized on the bridge in a unique pulse of light that signified transport via his ship's transporters. He nodded to himself as he looked over the dedicated crew working hard at their stations to weather the current crisis. Captain, we've secured Deck 6, but I felt it would be more efficient if I organized responses from here, Eric said as he approached Commander Savril, who had taken her position at the captain's chair. Eric had rerouted his nanites to begin a removal process of his native disguise. He found that his skin slowly began to take on a color far lighter than the one he held on the surface, but it would still be hours before the process was complete. It was also a visual reminder as the crew worked on repairing the damage caused by the invaders. The multispectral, regenerative shield system of the Intrepid II-class vessel quickly worked in the background to restore power as the crew focused on more pressing matters. Asteroids of various size filled the primary viewscreen as the flight con officer maneuvered the Arabella in ways few other classes could mimic. The brief respite from their escape allowed the crew something they had not been given since their return from the planet, time to think. Otak's fingers danced over the panel as he activated the tractor beam and redirected another mountain at the sphere. The beam slowly halted the asteroid's rotation as the human altered the trajectory and guided it toward the Borg. A moment later, he disengaged the beam. Very good, Mr. Otak, said Savril as the bridge crew watched the momentum carry the rock toward the ominous globe. It slammed into other asteroids as it continued on a demolition course, causing them to ricochet off of one another and hurtle dangerously close to the sphere. Almost too late, a green beam caught the asteroid projectile and slowed its progression to a stop. The Arabella's helmsman continued weaving amongst the obstacle course of rock and metal, increasing the distance between the Starfleet vessel and the Borg sphere as it juggled the hostile mass of stones. As Eric lowered himself into the chair beside Savril, she leaned towards him slightly and whispered, I have not been able to locate Dennis or the children. Has Rory heard from them? How is Arya? The safety of her children had been the primary reason she resigned from Starfleet after the quarantine was lifted. The virus had almost claimed their lives, and if it would ensure their well-being, she was content to stay on Vulcan. But their half-human lineage had not gone unnoticed by fundamentalist groups, who found their display of emotion detestable. It did not help matters that her own suppression abilities had been damaged by the virus. In the end, they were chased away from Vulcan by enemies of her father, men who opposed the diplomats' unification efforts. With nowhere to go, Savril returned to Starfleet, at Nathan Quinn's behest. He was the only person who could have talked her into coming back. Now he was missing, and she had placed her children once again in danger. She squeezed her eyes closed and lowered her head. If anything had happened to them, she would never forgive herself. Servril opened her eyes again, drew a breath, and glanced to the viewscreen. They would have to return to the point where they lost the captain. The subspace disturbances could be related to his disappearance. 
Arya was headed to the last known position of Dennis and the twins. Rory received a communication from Dennis, but she did not have time to tell me what the contents of the message was, Eric said as he took the first officer's seat. Some of the decks below are bad, but I think we'll be able to get everything back under control. Eric's fingers moved over the EXO's console and brought up the data concerning the status of the ship. The Borg had found the new power systems of their vessel attempting target, and most of them were at or near main engineering. Scattered drones worked to hold their positions on the ship, but they did not fully control those sections. Captain, the good news is the current level of Borg on this ship is manageable, but we need to come up with a definitive plan before they multiply further. With a few keystrokes, Eric issued orders to damage control teams to begin repairs on the secured sections of the ship. Because of the nature of the Borg attack, casualties and fatality reports were trickling in far slower than usual. Reports that would have taken minutes to compile might be delayed by hours with the current condition of the ship. A Borg infection in ODN Junction 32 Alpha has disabled several computer systems, including the comm badge locator systems. This means we might have to do a physical count to see whom we've lost. The initial attack that damaged the power and the weapon system should be our main priority. We should be getting those back online first. We can't run forever, so I guess it's time that we see how much bite the Arabella has, said Eric. I agree, but we must be clear of the asteroid field first. Our sensors are not immune to the magnetic field that has hindered the Borg sphere, said the Vulcan as she straightened in her command chair. Once shield integrity is increased, we will concentrate our efforts to fend off the Borg and locate the captain. We lost contact with engineering briefly, but Karath has just assured me that they are close to remedying the situation. She gripped the arms of the command chair slightly as stress attempted to physically manifest itself within her. Eric nodded and focused his attention on the ship's systems. So once we've restored systems, we deal with the Borg, and then we can work on locating the captain. Taking a breath, Eric tapped his badge and rerouted his message to the necessary staff. Attention all senior staff and department heads. Please report to the officer's briefing room for a mandatory meeting with Captain Savril on the status of the ship. Commander James out. The next post was written by Hawkeye Meds, and it will be read by Meds. The Kalan had just rigged a wire across the main corridor to engineering. Any Borg that would walk across it would be instantly killed. Pointing his phaser at the power conduit, he was about to fire when he heard a message come through. Attention all senior staff and department heads, please report to officer's briefing room for a mandatory meeting with the Captain Savrell on the status of the ship. Commander James, out. The Callan tapped his badge. On my way, the Callan out. He pressed a button on his phaser and the target sprayed with red light. The wire was now live. Smiling at the glow, the Callan turned and casually walked towards the turbo lift. Computer, override bridge lockdown for department heads and senior staff only. The Callan SL5. The turbo doors slid open, and DeCallan entered, keeping his phaser ready. Bridge. This post was written by Iceman, and will be read by Metron07. Dr. Peterson heard the message over the ship's intercom and sighed as he spoke to himself. Damn, haven't I got enough to do saving lives? Myella Peterson heard her husband talking to himself. She approached him cautiously. Is everything okay, Doctor? Casey looked up at his wife and replied, Yes, Doctor. I didn't realize I was talking out loud. And since all the department heads are needed in a briefing, I'll be placing you in charge of sickbay. Please go distribute what phase of weapons are available in my office safe to all doctors and nurses and coordinate what security if extra is needed. Yes, Doctor. Maella replied as she placed her hand on her husband's cheek 
and looked into his eyes as she kissed him on the cheek and she whispered in his ear, Be careful, dear. Then she was gone, issuing commands to the orderlies to make room for the continued flow of wounded. Dr. Peterson smiled as he let the attending nurse close up his last surgical patient. Casey walked out of sickbay so preoccupied with the impending staff meeting that he forgot that he was still wearing his surgical garb. The next post was written by Brian C.D. and is read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Kararth had spent the past hour trying to repair the damage the Borg had done to main engineering. Ensign Barton was hard at work under the primary shield station trying to ensure the ship's defensive systems would be online if and when the Borg caught them in the asteroid field. Lieutenant Took was on his way back from sickbay having been treated for his wounds. Otherwise he had barely a skeleton crew and an emergency situation to deal with. Lieutenant DeCollin had rigged a defensive perimeter around the main engineering in case of another Borg incursion. Now he headed toward the bridge. All right, so the story's moving along um, a little slower than I expected, but it's still moving, which is really good. Yes. I think it's okay that it's slowing down a little bit because there's so much that has happened already in the beginning of the yeah. story Yeah. that you don't want to keep one-upping each other on how many ways you can kill Borg. <laughs> That's very and, true, yeah. It's and now it's time, yeah. Now we need to start, start, you know, working towards resolving our problems, and I think that's what people are doing now. Yeah, I so. think right now, uh, what, Surreal called everyone to the bridge, or at least senior mm -hmm. staff. So mm -hmm. they're, they're, everyone's trying to make their way, because obviously we still have Borg on our ship. Yes. Uh, but everyone is making their way to the bridge for the the meeting. Little impromptu meeting. Yeah, yeah, little quick, a little quick meeting, just to kind of tell everyone what's going on, what their plan of attack. So I think right now we've pretty much sectioned off the Borg. Yes. Um. So they're, I mean, they're still on the ship, obviously, but we're pretty secure at you know not losing the ship right now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And then we have the Borg on the outside still trying to find us because we're still yes. in the asteroid field. Um. But they haven't detected us yet. No. Well, actually, their um, the Arabella is like using their tractor beam to push asteroids towards the sphere because their weaponry is offline. Mm. So um, that's the only thing they have available to them, and they're hoping it, hoping that by keeping the Borg busy, <laughs> they can repair their ship. And that's so, right. You know, because right. the shields are low. They're in the asteroid field, which is not a real, you know, safe place to be when you don't have any shields, you know, strength yeah. left. Yeah. Shield strength. But um, they're, we're about to probably leave it because um, engineering has started working on bringing the shield strength up. They just now got engineering back because the Borg had infested it, mm -hmm. which we talked about last week when Took was injured trying yeah. to defend engineering. Yeah. But, now it's been reclaimed, and they're close to getting shield shields back up to full power, and we'll probably be leaving the asteroid field and going back to the place where Quinn disappeared so that we can find out. Yeah, you guys still Quinn. have that mystery. Yes. You guys have no idea where he's at. Even he doesn't mm -hmm. know where he's at at the moment. Right. The one post I did do for the Mirror Universe that has Quinn meeting the Borg King who just happens to be Locutus, um, which I felt made sense since it's the alternate universe. And mm -hmm. in that universe, uh, Picard was not saved. 
and yeah. he wound up being uh, king of the Borg alongside the queen until he got power hungry and decided to take over full time. And so now the mirror universe only have they only have a king, mm-hmm. queen. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he was he was introduced to him, had a little conversation, but that was about it. Um, so. Quinn still is really not sure what the heck is going on because in his universe, Picard was rescued. Uh, they defeated the Borg, and now all of a sudden, Picard is locutus again, and he's still quite confused at what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think n- probably in another week or so, we'll probably start writing Mirror Universe posts, and that'll yeah. start coming together. Yeah, we just so. need to finish up this act. This is what we're mm-hmm. calling Act One. Yes. Act one needs to come to a conclusion with the Arabella being secured for the moment, mm-hmm. them trying to investigate where Quinn went, and then we will flop over to the Mirror Universe and pick up the action there. Yes. Yeah. So. And I think we were discussing in emails how that's going to work, and um, there was some confusion as to whether – it was going to be all mirror universe. Yeah, yeah, I had and that. I, I had that question. Yeah, I, I think it's fine to write for both mirror and regular universe, but um, we need to make sure that the focus of our story is the mirror universe because yes. we need to move on from what's happening to on the Borg ship to what's happening in the mirror universe. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, that's where the bulk of our adventure is supposed to take place. Yes, is, is in the mirror universe. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's where all the action, where all the, 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 you know, why we even thought up this whole season was to take right. place in the mirror universe. Right. So this has been a great intro to get to that. Mm-hmm. But we definitely need to move on from what's currently happening in our universe to get to the mirror yeah. universe. And if people need to, again, just need some ideas or some help coming up with some concepts, there are several of us who've already begun kind of con- concepting what our mirror characters will be doing mm-hmm. on the other side mm-hmm. and who will they be working with and what their relationships will be like. And um, so just PM me or email me um, and let me know that you want to be fit in somewhere and we'll work with you and help you come up with kind of like a little storyline for yeah. your own character. But um, so we just kind of need to think together on that rather than just jumping all over the place in the mirror universe because again we don't want to divert too far from the plot the central storyline yeah so we can't have like some blood feud going on that takes our story on a off-roading yeah yeah not too many tangents we don't mind a few but yeah just we need to focus on the main story and there's Mm -hmm. a lot going on in the mirror universe for everybody to do exactly i mean we created it that way so everybody has a place they should all be super busy and no one should feel left out from this story because mm-hmm. um, we did like you know we mentioned in our last podcast that we constructed this you know over a month month and a half so it would involve everybody mm-hmm. so very true yeah is there anything else I think that's pretty much it it was well did we want to talk any about any of the happenings that occurred on the Arabella regarding individual characters yeah, we can. I mean, right now, uh, let's see. We don't know what happened to Margon. He's still unconscious on his floor with Mr. Uh, what's his Mr. Mouse. Mr. Mouse. Yeah. Mr. Mouse uh, licking him, trying to wake him up. So right now, his fate is unknown. What else is going on? We have uh, Ryla still dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we have uh, Took and who else was that? Took and um, the Colin. Yes. Are uh, teaming up with Dennis. Mm-hmm. They're gonna go uh, hopefully uh, foil some of the Borg's uh, plans by uh, diverting energy or power yes they were yeah their plan was to divert power from the alcoves so that they couldn't recharge yeah because they don't they don't want to continue killing all the borg because now some of the crew are borg yeah and they know that they could reclaim their 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 um crew members yeah so um the thought was to power them down and then work from there but there are several different um ideas of how to clear the ship of the Borg and they're going now to the bridge to you know discuss with Sabril their the options yeah so that's coming to a I guess conclusion I guess yeah yeah um what else um I Dr. Peterson is working on injured Dr. people yep with with Mayella and Nurse Kane and Nurse Kane has gone off the deep end <laughs> She's going batty. <laughs> She's seeing dead people sitting up and floating goat heads. <laughs> yeah, I think she's just a little overworked. Yeah, and if and, and for good reason. I, Kenny oh yeah. Asked, yeah. And Kenny asked, um, "What is wrong with her? <laughs> Why is she going crazy?" And, was, and maybe not everyone knows, but she was in the lounge when the Borg beamed in. And be, and took a lot of the people and killed Ryla. She was there when Ryla died. She saw Naval be taken away. Um, she's also been worked to, you know, yeah. to the state in yeah. sick bay because they're down a physician. They've got a bunch of people coming in who are injured. They're doing surgeries. She's just stressed out. So. Oh yeah. Plus, this is her first mission. She just yeah. graduated Starfleet. Can you imagine mm-hmm. just graduating Starfleet and this is her very first mission and then all this happens. Mm-hmm. She's just, you know, you're just, you, you, you can be prepared for it, but when it actually happens in real life, it's just, it's too much. So, yeah. well, Severo's a little stressed out too. There's yeah. a couple of people that are getting stressed out, so. Well, Severo has reason to be stressed out. Yeah, Quinn, she just, Quinn now... is gone. She doesn't know where her family is and there's Borg all over the place. Now she's right. in charge. And she can't c- contact Dennis, who is her children's caretaker. Yeah, so she no- has no idea where where they are. Nothing. So, yeah, so I mean, I can imagine yeah. her being stressed. And she can't really. And I'm probably. I, I always worry that I push this too far, because <laughs> I always bring it up. Is her inability to um, completely control her emotions now after the virus? Mm-hmm. And I can't forget it because I know that she has this problem. But at the same time, I don't want it always coming up. Yeah. But um, I have to show that she's starting to feel, you know, emotions bubbling back up. Yeah. And so I'm trying to do it in a way where she doesn't, you know, go all a mock time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, I hope that everyone understands why I have to keep inserting that in there because she's she she can't exactly go go play her violin in the in the yeah, Jeffrey's too, in the middle you know? of uh, the Borg battle. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she's getting stressed out too, but yeah. But she's in command, and she's got to get over that. <laughs> That's right. That's part of the job. And, and uh, Just X's character, who's Arik James, he's the first officer, and he's kind of been helping her with that. He's yeah, come taken over as far as calling the the senior officers together and yeah. helping her a lot with that situation. Yeah. But anyway. So. 
but I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, Zerem so- is on the bridge. Ronan's on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is heading to the bridge except for, yeah, I think everyone is heading to the bridge except for well, the senior staff. Yeah, all the senior staff is yeah. there. Because we still have um, uh, Shepard's character is... Oh, yes. He's still running around with his furry buddy mm-hmm. attacking Borg. Securing the Borg. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. But he's going to have to start working with people to uh, to solve the problems because we've we've isolated the Borg now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, give us a... Send a PM out to several of us and maybe we can do a joint post with you, Shepard, with the... You know what? What your characters need to do now. Yeah. So if you're stuck. Yeah. Glad to help you out. So, Same with uh, with Rico and um, King, and uh, Moyer seven seven seven. If you guys want to do joint po- post, we're always available. Just let us know if you don't have time to throw something up there. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's great if you can continue with your character, even through joint posts. Mm-hmm. You know. Or if you just if you can't write right now, let us know. We'll pick up, you know, for you. Just let yeah, us know let what us, you want to yeah, happen with so your character. That's, that's what I was going to say. Is let us know what you want have to happen with your character, and then we can get into a state where they're not used as much, mm-hmm. but they can still be used and still stay within the story. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, definitely let us know. All right. Well, I, that sounded like part of our final thoughts too. <laughs> All right, well, let's. Why don't we just move on to final thoughts? Okay. We are the Borg. Resistance is futile. Plug into your alcove as we communicate our final thoughts. And now for our final thoughts, I wanted to start out by patting everybody on the back for the great job they're doing in in writing. Yes, um, very much. They're doing great jobs. I want to thank. I'm, I'm sorry. I also want to thank everyone for who read last week and who's mm-hmm. reading this week. Yes, uh, it's a huge, huge help, especially last week with we had 26 posts or 25 posts, mm-hmm. and that was a lot. At least with this week, I think we're down to like 15 or so. But I do appreciate you guys taking the time to do that for us um, because it's a huge help when we are uh, editing this ready room together. So thank you guys. Yes, it's awesome. I think we had a little a discussion going on in the um, was it the the ready room thread. About the um, the accent, the oh yes, accent everybody was doing. Yes, people it enjoyed. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was really fun to get into character. Yeah, but we were yeah. kind of all over the map. For poor DeColin. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's an Australian character. Yes, and, uh, and many of us have only heard uh, Crocodile Dundee and <laughs> the Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> so right. That's what if we you're an Australian and you were insulted by our <laughs> poor. Imitation of your wonderful accents. We are sorry, <laughs> but we're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to discuss? We still we're still asking for comments and submissions for our ready room podcast. You want to talk about the RPG? Something you liked about it? Something you disliked about it? Uh, a character? Favorite character? Favorite moment? Anything? You can go ahead and send that to us. And you can send send an MP3 or just an email, and we'll read it to the Ready Room Podcast at gmail.com. Um, what else? I guess is that it. 
just other than let's start moving this story forward. Let's let's yeah. end Act One and and begin Act Two, the Mirror Universe. Yes. Um, and um, if you have any questions, just again collaboration, collaboration, yes. collaboration. Yes. So just to keep the you know everything tight and together as far as ideas and um, solutions to problems, yeah. work together. Yes. And uh, you could do that by emailing us. And, yep. um, if it's, if it's short and sweet, you can. Yeah, if it's short and sweet, you could do a PM. Um, but the longer and the more PMs we send back and forth, the more that clogs up the mail system on Rico's website. So, yes. yeah, just uh, email us. Yes, just let us know you want to talk, and we'll send you our email address. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, um, this was a fairly quick one. I think so. All right. Well, this is Jen, and this is Kenny. Mailing frequencies closed. All music used on the Record Room Podcast is provided by Moyer 777 and Metron 07.